The Tanisan Effect Tanisan was starting to regret her decision to meet up with Mrs. Hiromatsu for lunch. They'd not seen each other for over 35 years, and now, having spent a little more than 15 minutes in each other's company, she was beginning to remember why. For some reason, the tedious little woman sitting opposite had always regarded Tanisan as her arch-rival, the yardstick by which she measured all of her successes and failures. It had started back at high school, when Tanisan was voted the most popular student in the class, which was all the more galling as far as Mrs H was concerned, as it was quite clear that Tanisan couldn't have cared less what other people thought about her. While Tanisan sailed through her finals with virtually no effort at all, Mrs Hiromatsu was forced to work like a steamship furnace stoker to achieve anything like the same results. And this same inequality applied when it came to relationships. With what had, by then, become dreary predictability, Tanisan was able to pick and choose her boyfriends, whereas Mrs H struggled to elicit any serious interest from the opposite sex, often having to make do with Tanisan's cast-offs. Her one consolation in this respect was the plentiful supply. The sheer injustice of it all was a bitter pill to swallow, yet Mrs H persisted in her belief that life was ultimately fair and that hard work and tenacity would pay off in the end. With these precepts uppermost in her mind, she mapped out her future with cold, calculating precision, wheedling her way into a decent university by a sheer effort of will. Having graduated from there with a respectable degree, she then went on to position herself in the investment department of a well-known city bank, before entering into a safe yet passionless marriage with a man who was capable of providing her with the status and lifestyle she desired. Yet two teenage sons and a hysterectomy later, a strange sense of emptiness had befallen her that no amount of shopping would fill. It was then that she got it into her head that all of her troubles could be traced back to those traumatic experiences at school. So she began to consider the possibility of renewing her acquaintance with Tanisan in the hope that she would find failures and disappointments in her rival's life that would make her feel better about her own. Still, she took the precaution of testing the waters by first contacting a mutual friend, Mrs Ishihama, on the pretext of obtaining Tanisan's telephone number. Her underlying intention was to pump the guileless Mrs Ish for as much information on Tanisan as she could possibly get, incorrigible schemer that she was. What she managed to glean from that one conversation was like music to her ears. It appeared that like many of those who show great promise during their early years, Tanisan had failed to live up to expectations. Not only had she foregone that glittering career that everyone had predicted for her, but had also missed out on having children. Now, if Mrs Hiromatsu had been willing to leave it there, she might have been able to maintain the illusion that she had the better life. But she just couldn't resist the urge to rub Tanisan's nose in it. So she rang her the following day, having carefully formulated what she was going to say. Yet for all her manoeuvring, she immediately ran into a problem, as Tanisan had no recollection of their shared past, and seemed to think that Mrs Hiramatsu was trying to sell her some sort of household insurance policy. So then Mrs H found herself in the humiliating position of having to explain who she was and how they happened to know each other. 
Eventually, though, it was all sorted out. And so a few days later, they met up at an Italian restaurant in Sunshine City. While they were waiting for their orders to arrive, Mrs H took out her phone and showed Tanisan some pictures of her offspring in the hope of making her jealous. But by the time she got around to her eldest son's graduation photographs, Tanisan's mind had started to wander. It was curious, she reflected, how some creatures produced many more babies than humans did. An image then came to her of a heavily pregnant yet thoroughly miserable Mrs Hiromatsu sat on a pile of little yellow eggs in a cave somewhere. And then she began to think about the ants in her garden and why it was that no matter how many she killed, there were always more of them. It was because of the queen, she concluded. Some queens could lay thousands of eggs in a single day. So if she could just get rid of that one fertile female, it would prevent them from reproducing, and she could exterminate the rest with a few kettlefuls of boiling water. But how to target a single ant in a colony of millions? Tanisan began to wonder whether it would be possible to capture a soldier ant, reprogram him like Jason Bourne, and send him back into the nest as a secret assassin. Come to think of it, was it even feasible to brainwash an ant? And if so, how would one go about it? Hypnosis might work, she said out loud without realising it. Oh, do you think so? said Mrs H, who had been talking about her younger son's worrying habit of biting his fingernails. Yes, said Tanisan, still preoccupied with her ant problem. But you'd have to find some way of sticking his feet down. You'd have a hell of a game trying to put him into a trance if he kept moving about all the time. You can't do that, said Mrs H. It's tantamount to abuse. Only if one of his legs came off, said Tanisan, and even then he'd still be able to manage. Mrs Hiramatsu recoiled, deeply disturbed by the image of her beautiful boy as an amputee. That's a horrid thing to say, she complained, and I still don't see why I would have to glue his feet in the first place. Why couldn't I just reason with him and explain that it was for the best? Tanisan gave a disparaging grunt. Good luck with that, she said. You might as well try reasoning with a sponge or a cauliflower. I suppose the next thing you'll be saying is that you could bribe him to stand still with some fungus or honeydew or something. No, she then said with absolute conviction. There's no point messing about. If it didn't work out, you'd just have to get rid of him and start again with a new one. I'm pretty sure if you kept on doing that, you'd get there in the end. There were so many things in that one brief exchange that were either deeply offensive or just plain wrong that Mrs Hiromatsu didn't know where to begin. So she decided to let it go on that occasion, grimly determined to drive home her 2-0 advantage over Tanisan Sprogwise. Yes, she said, well, I suppose it's asking too much of someone who's never been through the experience to know what it's like to nurture life, to love and cherish it and to watch it grow. Well, why on earth would I want to do that? asked a highly sceptical Tanisan. Isn't it obvious? came Mrs Hiramatsu's equally incredulous reply. It's a natural desire in any woman. On the contrary, said Tanisan, I think you'll find that most women regard them as a household pest and will gladly be rid of them. I'm not advocating cruelty, of course. A quick death by crushing or having boiling water poured over them is the most humane method. I very much doubt that they'd feel a thing. This occasioned a sharp intake of breath on Mrs Hiromatsu's part. 
Well, that's the most appalling thing I've ever heard, she exclaimed in absolute horror. I can hardly believe that any sane person would entertain such ideas. What does your husband have to say about it? Who? asked Tanisan. Your husband, said Mrs Hiramatsu, who'd assumed that Tanisan was married because she didn't have a job. Tanisan gave a baffled shrug. Your husband, repeated Mrs H, as if she were talking to a deaf or elderly person. Mr Tanny, your other half, the man you're married to. It was clear from the expression on Tanisan's face that she was still unclear as to what sort of answer was required of her. Well, she said, if you must know, I'm not entirely sure that such a thing exists. Having said that, it would explain a few things. For some time now I've been aware of small disturbances about the house. Items of food that suddenly go missing, chairs moved, objects left in one place that mysteriously reappear somewhere else. A husband, I grant you, would appear to be the most rational explanation, although I have been tempted to think that it's a poltergeist. A poltergeist that sometimes takes the form of an obnoxious Chinese cake goblin. So, what you're saying, said Mrs H, struggling to make sense of Tanisan's words, is that you can only infer a husband from various unexplained phenomena in the domestic environment. You're not actually sure that he exists. Whereas yours, I suppose, only wishes he didn't, came Tanisan's blunt and offensive reply. Having considered herself to be in a position of some superiority up to that point, Mrs Hiramatsu suddenly found herself on the defensive. That's not true, she snapped, with perhaps a little more force than she'd intended. Not only is ours a happy marriage, but it has also produced two wonderful children, neither of which have we ever been tempted to boil. Tanisan looked at her askance. I should hope not, she said. Yet the very fact you feel the need to state it rather suggests that it has crossed your mind at some point. Of course not, Mrs Hiramatsu protested, drawing the attention of the people at the next table. Neither has it occurred to us that we should squash them, liquidise them or chop them up for fish bait. I rest my case, said Tanisan. Like many before her and others since, Mrs Hiramatsu was experiencing what I can only call the Tanisan effect. As a phenomenon, it can be likened to one of those bizarre running dreams in which you find yourself trying to get somewhere but can't, either because the place you're trying to reach never gets any closer or because your legs don't work properly. I say this, for try she might, Mrs H could make no headway in her despicable scheme to score points off Tanisan by drawing attention to the disparity in their lifestyles. Instead, she found herself thwarted at every turn, redirected into bizarre conversational byways that left her muddled and frustrated. It was hardly surprising then that after a time she started to get desperate. Look here, I want to show you something, she said, swiping through the family snaps until she came to a set of photographs that had been taken more recently. What they showed was an ultra-modern beach house in various stages of construction. A wedge-shaped structure of concrete and glass it stood on the western slope of a secluded bay, just a short distance from the sea. You see this? she said, jabbing a finger at the screen. This is a new holiday home that we're building at Ego Bay in Shima. Imagine it! A brand new house built to my specifications. That's 290 square metres of minimalist design with a staggered living space, cypress flooring and an unsullied view of the ocean that stretches as far as the eye can see. 
Take a long, hard look at that sparkling water, she barked. Look at it. That's a glazed wall with a full front veranda so that you can sit outside in the evening and look up at the bloody moon. And do you know what I'm going to do when it's finished? I'm going to invite you to come and stay so you can know what it's like to live in a house with a sunken dining area. You can even bring along that idiot Mrs Ishihama so that she too can marvel at its magnificence. It was, without a shadow of a doubt, the angriest invitation that Tanisan had ever received. And to make matters worse, Mrs Hiramatsu had clearly overstepped the mark by calling Mrs Ish an idiot, which was Tanisan's exclusive privilege. So there and then, she decided to teach the transgressor one of her special lessons. Needless to say, they parted on less than amicable terms, each privately vowing never to repeat the experience. Then Tanisan took the next train to Nishi Shinjuku and headed into the heart of Tokyo's business district with its soaring towers of steel, concrete and glass. Not far on from the metro station, there was a convenience store where she stopped to buy some Danish pastries before making her way towards the largest of the glass giants. This took the form of a gigantic tea. Family Mart carrier bag in hand, Tanisan crossed the plaza and headed in through the imposing entrance, passing a large corporate sign that read, Tanisan Industries. As soon as she entered the lobby, it was all hands on deck. It was as though the Queen of England had dropped by for a spot inspection. A wave of alarm swept through the glass-fronted offices on the ground floor. Junior administrators went rushing into conference rooms to interrupt important meetings. Pale-faced managers made quick, panicky phone calls to senior personnel. But then, of course, this sort of to-do was only to be expected under the circumstances. An unscheduled visit by the company's legendary co-founder was a rare occurrence and could only signify one thing. Something big was about to happen. Now, it goes without saying that Tanisan did not get involved in the day-to-day -day running of the company. She had better things to do, like chasing William. All the same, it was her long-standing relationship with Princess Otohime, the daughter of the Emperor of the Sea, that had made all of this possible. Cast your minds back to that unfortunate episode, and you will recall that it was Tanisan's support for the army of the revolutionary plankton that put the princess on the undersea throne and led to the establishment of Tanisan Fisheries, a highly lucrative fishing business founded by Tanisan in conjunction with a certain windswept trawler boat skipper called Captain Uehara. Since then, the company had gone from strength to strength. In return for their continuing support, Otohime had agreed to share some of the ocean's most closely guarded secrets. So, Tanisan Fisheries had grown to incorporate Tanisan Deep Sea Research, Tanisan Marine Science, and of course, Tanisan's tasty seafood snacks. All of which goes to show that hostage-taking can pay dividends if you're just prepared to stick at it. Has the board been notified of my arrival? inquired Tanisan, as she stepped up to the quartz-topped reception desk. Yes, Mrs Tanny, answered the nervous young woman in the blue suit. They're waiting for you in the boardroom. Tanisan made her way across the concourse to the executive elevator and went straight up to the top floor, which was always one storey higher than the next tallest building. Not altogether sure how they managed that. On arrival, the doors parted with a ping 
and she stepped out into the boardroom of Tanisan Industries. The composition of said board was somewhat atypical. On one side of the table, you had the usual lacklustre assortment of senior executives. While on the other, it was a different story. As per Tanisan's instructions, six large fish tanks had been placed along the length of the room, each of which contained a sea creature of one kind or another. Curiously, though, there were no invertebrates. Tanisan didn't trust them. At the far end of the table sat Captain Uehara, Tanisan's business partner and the chairman of the board. He was slumped despondently in his chair, with one eye on his carefully prepared agenda, wondering whether it would save time if he just tore it up now. You see, he too knew what was meant by the Tanisan effect. But all his hard work, all the hours he'd spent negotiating with departments, fixing budgets and formulating strategy, had probably been for nothing. For just when he thought he had everything under control, she would swan in off the street and change it all. And the worst thing was, she was usually right. When Tanisan had proposed that their entire fishing fleet should broadcast Swiss yodelling at maximum volume to scare off the competition, it had been an enormous success. And when she had then urged the board to buy up and demolish her local superstore simply because they'd failed to deliver her new washing machine on time, they made a fortune on the land deal. All the same, it was perfectly obvious to anyone with a teaspoonful of brain that she was misusing company resources in order to fulfil her own private agenda. Unfortunately, there was nothing anyone could do about it, because she always had the full support of the board, though this was largely due to the fact that half of them were imbeciles and the other half were fish. With undisguised resentment, Captain Uehara eyed her from across the table as she took her rightful place and proceeded to address the members with her customary remarks. Chairman, gentlemen, and ocean-going life-forms of the board, she began, let me just say that I have not come here to disrupt these proceedings in any way. Far be it from me to meddle in matters that are beyond my understanding. I leave that to the brains around this table. So please feel free to continue your discussions while I just sit here and listen nicely. Try to pretend that I'm not here. There was an uncomfortable silence. No one was particularly keen to make the first move because they all knew what was coming next. But then the captain cleared his throat and turned to the document in front of him. Uh, yes, he said. Well, uh, uh, if you remember, we were just discussing item two on the agenda, the ratification of the new... Stop, said Tanisan, holding up her hand. The captain looked across at her. But I haven't even told you what it is yet, he said. No need, said Tanisan. I think we're all quite capable of reading between the lines. Go on to the next one. The captain gave her her dirty look and turned to the next item on the agenda. Item three, he said. The revised action plan put forward by the Tasty Seafood Snacks Division to address the growing demand for... No, 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 interrupted Tanisan. No one cares about that. Next... Shifting uncomfortably, the captain turned the page. Item four, he said. The ongoing dispute over the proposed site of the new sea urchin processing plant in... Eek! Squeaked Tanisan sharply. Item five, snapped the captain, who was one step ahead of her this time. The acquisition of new submersibles to replace those... Wait, 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 cut in Tanisan. Go back to the other one again. The processing plant? Yes, yes, what's that all about? Captain Uehara turned back to the previous item 
and the imbeciles followed suit. Well, he said, uh, for some time now, the fisheries division has been attempting to get planning permission to build a new sea urchin processing plant on a narrow stretch of coastline in Yamagata Prefecture. The locals are happy for it to go ahead because it'll bring employment to the area. But it's being blocked by a group of environmentalists who claim that it's the last known habitat of an endangered species of seabird known as the yellow-tailed f***wit. Tanisan peered at him closely from the other side of the table. Are you sure that's its name? she asked, her eyes narrowing with suspicion. Er... Uh, yeah, I believe so, said Uehara, consulting his notes. That's what it says here. The, uh, warbling yellow-tailed f***wit. Tanisan reclined in her high-backed chair and put her fingertips together. A shrewd and masterly plan was starting to take shape. Hmm, she mused. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Tell me more about this so-called processing plant. Well, said the captain, there'd be five workshops with an annual capacity of... No, 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 she broke in impatiently. How unsightly would it be? I beg your pardon? Well, she said, I imagine that a building whose sole purpose is to facilitate the wholesale harvesting of small sea creatures is unlikely to win any architectural awards. Oh, the design, you mean? Well, it's a coastal structure, so we tend to favour a mixture of chlorine-resistant concrete and embedded steel to maximise strength. So it could turn out to be a bit of an eyesore, then, speculated Tanisan hopefully. Not necessarily, said the captain. No doubt it could be made to blend in with the surrounding environment. Yes, well, I don't think we need to worry too much about that, said Tanisan. And of course, there are other considerations to be taken into account. I imagine that the processing of seafood on that scale would be a very smelly business. Very smelly business indeed. Anyone living in the immediate vicinity would be bound to suffer some ill effects especially if the wind was blowing in the right direction. Uh, sorry, I mean wrong direction. With that, she suddenly rounded on the executives to her left, pointing at a short, timid-looking man with a grey moustache. You, she barked, what's your opinion? Should we proceed with the project as planned or side with the fuckwits? Having had the singular misfortune to be put on the spot like that, the poor little fellow looked to his colleagues for guidance, but it was every man for himself in that situation. Oh, uh, well, he began hesitantly, it's, um, it's a bit of a tricky one. Uh, on balance, I suppose I'd have to say that... Too late, snapped Tanisan, pivoting round. Hand in your pass and parking permit at reception. How about... You! This time, she singled out an adorable little pufferfish, which up until then had been swimming around in its tank quite happily. Now, though, it assumed that it was feeding time, so it came up to the glass to peer at her, with great expectations. Blub, 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 it went. Yes, agreed Tanisan. I think that sums it up in a nutshell, Mr Fugu. Of course, I wouldn't wish to put words into your mouth, but if I'm right, what you're saying is that the adverse publicity generated by the environmentalist lobby could prove to be more detrimental than simply relocating the project to a less controversial site. Yes, I think on the whole I would concur with that opinion. I'm sure we all would. And as it just so happens, I know of a place that fits the bill precisely. The maps, if you please. Captain Uehara activated the touchscreen in front of him and brought up a large-scale map of Japan on the high-resolution video wall. Then, on Tanisan's request, he zoomed in on a specific section of Mie Prefecture on the southern coast of Honshu. The location I have in mind 
said Tanisan, putting her finger on the exact spot, is here, on this particular stretch of coastline in Ego Bay, Shima. I think you will find it quite suitable. And so it was, eminently suitable. All the same, can you imagine Mrs. Hiromatsu's feelings when she arrived at her beach house one day, only to discover that her beautiful view of the ocean had been utterly ruined by the seafood processing monstrosity that was currently being constructed slap-bang in the middle of it? And now try to imagine how much worse she must have felt when the last thing to go up was a huge colourful logo of Tanisan's face, grinning back at her from across the bay.